Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Michael C. Bouchard, host of Night Stalker Podcast, episode uh, 36 of season 6. Um, I'm going to talk to you about a uh, case that has been uh, a cold case uh, homicide that occurred in Toronto back in 1983. Uh, for 40 years, uh, the murder of Susan Tice and uh, Aaron Gilmore uh, had been going unsolved, although throughout the case there had been... Um, Two major suspects. Um, just last week, a uh, suspect who had initially been a uh, person of interest in, in the uh, case, uh, Joseph uh, Sutherland of uh, Moosonee, uh, Canada, had been uh, a person of interest for a while. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you actually listen to the uh, the news clip of where uh, this case has finally been uh, solved. Uh, a quick uh, kind of briefing in the case. Uh, the two women were um, both lived on second in second floor apartments, not together but independently. Um, they were tied up and uh, murdered by uh, a knife. So. Uh, within a couple block radius, uh, radius of each other. Uh, it's good to see, like I said, and I have been saying for quite a while, that the uh, advance, advancement in the genealogical uh, DNA is um, starting to outpace itself. Uh, we are getting arrests uh, almost every week now on cold cases that we thought we would never solve. Uh, there's quite a few more to go, obviously, but... Um, you know, for right now, we're, we're pretty good. So this is a 40-year-old case. Uh, I'm going to uh, let you hear the footage of it. And then uh, we can just mark another case down that appeared on this show uh, earlier, probably two or three seasons ago. Uh, another case solved. The following program contains mature subject matter. Viewer discretion is advised. On this edition of the Fifth Estate, two women, two lives cut short, and the decades-long hunt to bring their killer to justice. I think to not have answers for such a long time is devastating for a family. We have both leads and suspects in mind, but uh, we can't establish anyone directly responsible at this stage of the investigation. Psychologically, I guess it's it's there's always a void. There's always a, uh, the questions of, of why did this happen. I think that never ever goes away. We'll take you inside the investigation as police try to crack a cold case. We believe by using the genealogical process that these are the great grandparents of the person that murdered both Susan Tice and Aaron Gilmore. And the news two families have waited on for what seemed like a lifetime the arrest of a suspect. It finally puts a name and a face to someone who, for all of us, has been a ghost. I'm Mark Kelly, outside the headquarters of the Toronto Police. Tonight, an investigation the Fifth Estate has been following for years. This is a story of a family seeking justice, police seeking a suspect, and a tiny strand of DNA that unlocked a mystery, tracking down a cold case ghost. This is the fifth estate.
This is a moment nearly 40 years in the making. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Today, we are here to announce that the Toronto Police Service has arrested an individual for the 1983 murders of Aaron Gilmore and Susan Tice. Last Thursday, November 24th, this individual was arrested and taken into custody in Moosonee, Ontario, and brought back to Toronto on Friday, November 25th. Joseph George Sutherland, 61 years of age, of Moosonee, has been charged under the 1983 Criminal Code with two counts of first-degree murder for the deaths of Aaron Gilmore and Susan Tice. Detective Sergeant Steve Smith believes he finally found the missing piece to crack the case. Going through this case, I'll tell you that the only way that this was solved was the advances in science. We're able to use investigative genetic genealogy to narrow down a suspect family, and from there, we're able to narrow down a suspect who is obviously under arrest today. Those advances in science could not come soon enough for Aaron Gilmore's brothers, and sadly, too late for their mother. Good morning. The last few days have brought around a full spectrum of emotions as you can imagine. And this is a day that I and we have been waiting almost an entire lifetime for. In a sense, there's a real relief that someone's been arrested, yet it also brings back so many memories of Erin and her brutal, senseless murder. Our mom, Anna, passed away two years ago, and she would have been so relieved that there had been an arrest, and so happy that someone will finally face justice after being anonymous for 39 years. Sutherland has no criminal record, but armed with the suspect's DNA, police are convinced he's their man. He was not in our boxes, as they say. Um, he was not a suspect or a person of interest in this case. If we hadn't utilized this technology, we never would have came to his name. Detective Smith, what was his reaction when police showed up at his door? I think when you commit these crimes, you're just waiting for that knock to come at the door. If I could sense it, it would probably be one of relief that it's finally over. So why did it take so long to make an arrest in this case? As you'll see, Toronto police were looking for a suspect for years until science stepped in. We have over 700 unsolved files and uh, I started to dig into some of the files that we had that we knew that we had what we believed to be offender DNA, um, one of which, which was uh, the Aaron Gilmore file very interested to see this film. This is the first time I've seen the, uh, the actual footage of, uh, of Aaron's murder. The body of Toronto native Aaron Gilmore was transferred by police to the city morgue this morning. The blonde part-time model was found by a friend about 9.30 last night, tied up in her bed and stabbed in the back. She was found in her second floor apartment on Hazelton Avenue, located just above a trendy clothing store where she worked as a clerk. Friends visited the home all day to console family members, and they described Aaron as a gorgeous socialite who dressed stylishly and often traveled abroad. Today, family members were too overcome with grief to talk with the media.
Aaron was stabbed multiple times uh, throughout her torso and her neck. We can't imagine what she was going through. Um, and we think of 20 minutes of our, our life and, and what she went through and it must have seemed like a lifetime to her. My name is Andrew Doyle. I'm a detective constable with the Toronto Police Service. I work specifically in the cool case unit of the Homicide Squad. Yeah, she lived upstairs, so here's the entrance here. So you're talking, she would have she would have left work and she would have walked and went right upstairs here. We believe she finished her shift right around 9 p.m. She went up to her apartment. Um, her boyfriend at the time, Mr. Monk, arrived around 9.20 p.m. So it's a very, very short window um, for this all to have occurred. Erin Gilmore's murder was random, senseless, brutal. She was 22 years old, the only daughter of a prominent Toronto family, an aspiring fashion designer. A life of promise ended in an attack that lasted only minutes. It's a, it's a terrible entry, situation, right? no forced entries. Probably no, no security systems either. No, absolutely. Really, we, we focused on, on two separate theories. One was um, that the offender was in the alley when Aaron came out of her um, her employment and when she opened her door he he pushed her and followed her in up into her her apartment um, but with the door being left ajar um, you would think if you pre-planned this and, and you were going to abduct and sexually assault and murder a woman you probably would have locked the door behind you um, a theory that that I lend myself to is um, that it was probably a break and enter at the time and he the offender was actually in her apartment um, Looking for valuables and she may have come in and surprised him I'm Sean McCowan and I'm Aaron Gilmore's brother She was an incredible sister. Um, I was 13 and she was 22 at the time. She was nine years older I and my brother were like the proverbial little brothers who got strapped along on, on her excursions my name's Kale McCallum, and Erin Gilmore was my sister. It's kind of hard to sum up how the presence of my sister, but she, she was just beautiful and kind and warm, and in her presence, she just always felt special. My name is Kristen Basso, and Erin Gilmore is my first cousin, and my uncle David was Erin's father, Erin was the much-awaited child of Anna and David. She was such a little beauty. My uncle had always wanted to be close to her. He just adored her. I mean, in his book, he referred to her as the jewel in his crown. Erin's father is David Gilmore, a well-known financier who owns this company just down the street from his daughter's apartment. Gilmore used to own the Claritone Stereo Company with his partner, Peter Monk. The last time we saw Erin was uh, was the day before she was murdered. Um, it was uh, December the 19th, and my brother and I uh, had gone to stay at her uh, apartment um, for a sleepover. It was five days before Christmas, and so I uh, we all woke up the next morning. Erin um, drove my brother Kalen back to uh, to my mom's house, and uh, and I sort of went off actually to do some Christmas shopping, um, and we said our goodbyes, and uh, and that was the last time I saw her. I remember feeling worried for her and scared and thinking she should have some sort of protection because she was living on her own. 
The day that Aaron was murdered was a horribly cold day. Nobody in their right minds, even though it was the last few days, shopping days before Christmas, would have been out on a day that night if they didn't have to be. They had I'd spoken to Aaron earlier that day and she wasn't really feeling great, um, but she was at work doing what she had to do. Homicide detectives started a heavy round of questioning witnesses in the Hazelton Avenue area of Yorkville today. They're part of a group of five investigation teams who've been ordered to find leads in the Gilmore death. My mom gently shook me and woke me up and uh, I mentioned, and she was obviously very, very upset. She was emotional um, and she said it's Aaron. Um, and then she said that she had been killed. Um, and, um, and I remember screaming. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. After 40 years, um, Joseph uh, Sutherland um, has been arrested for the uh, homicide of Susan Tice and um, Aaron uh, Gilmore. You know, nowadays DNA is um, responsible for solving crimes after crimes after crimes, and hopefully we will start uh, making the uh, testing system a lot faster um, because we, I mean, come on, let's face it, we have hundreds of thousands of uh, homicides, disappearances, and identified bodies that have been uh, cases solved, people identified um, in the United States alone. With this, you know, if you did listen to some of the um, interview, the issue I have with, well, one of the issue I have with homicide in the first place, you know, or any type of violence is, as a person, I don't believe any other person has a right to put their hands on you physically, let alone uh, murder you or abduct you. Um, you know, the one thought I had, and a lot of people flinch when I say it, but if you think about it in reality, and take your emotional concepts out of it, is that if we started taking DNA samples of uh, children when they were born, along with their footprints like they always do and, uh, you know, whatever else they do, within a matter of a couple decades, um, homicides unidentified bodies or any other type of crime would be relatively easy to solve. Hopefully, in the future, like everything else, police departments themselves and the testing process for DNAs will be so advanced that we will be able to do our own um, forensic testing within the agencies themselves. Um, just think of how not only convenient but how fast we could actually take people into custody identify people um, you know this is the way of the future you know now like I said you have a lot of um, 
people out there jumping around about their Fourth Amendment rights, about DNA taking DNA samples and this and that, but let's face it, the only people that are concerned with that type of uh, thought process are those who have either been involved in crime or plan on doing a crime. Uh, you know, so why would it bother you? I mean, they could take my DNA anytime they want. You know, it's, I'm pretty old. It's probably like going to be cutting through dinosaur skin, but, um, you know, why not? Why wouldn't Why wouldn't we do that? Why would we so, be so offended? Uh, you know, why are we so concerned about our rights if we don't plan on, uh, you know, doing anything wrong? But with that being said, uh, it's about time. I Like I said, we had... Uh, Originally done an episode on the uh, Susan Tice uh, Gilmore murder uh, way way back on this podcast series. Uh, I'm not sure even what number it is. Um, I have over 400 podcasts, and uh, I usually do these later at night or early in the morning. And uh, I really didn't have the time to search the uh, the uh, seasonal episode. I apologize for that, but it's out there. But now, is there any real need for it? No, not really, because somebody has just been uh, arrested for it, and uh, hopefully uh, we will be bringing you uh, more podcasts with uh, more people being caught. The only unfortunate thing when you're talking 20, 30, 40, 50 years, uh, most of the time, uh, the people that have committed the crime uh, are deceased, unfortunately. Um, but that's the fact, you know, and uh, for that many years and even probably longer, um, you know, for every person that disappears or is murdered, there's at least 12 victims, family members, friends, that will stay traumatized for the rest of their lives. So, you know, with that being said, you know, you really have to think about now, especially nowadays. Um, and I don't want to stray too far off the fact, but um, our our court system and our criminal, you know, our, our um, prison system, you know, they just want to kick people out. You know, let's take for instance the idiot in New York, Alvin Bragg, uh, just letting people go to commit more crimes. Uh, you know. This is the problem we've been having over the last five years is everybody wants to, you know, deny everything, cancel everything. But the problem is you, you can't, uh, you can't cancel a homicide. You can't forget a homicide. There's victims of hom uh, homicides that uh, had the same right as everybody else to live a life, but it was taken from them. So with that being said, I will let you make your own decisions on it, but I am Michael C. Bouchard, host tonight of Stalker Podcast. This is Season 6, Episode Number uh, 35.